0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Altitude, where we talk to the founders of future high-flying companies in Latin America. I'm your host, Brian Reckworth.
1: And I'm your co-host, Tommy Rogio.
0: Today, our guest is Fabio Muniz, founder and CEO of Awari. Fabio is a product designer turned founder and CEO, and he worked with clients such as Google and Viacom before transitioning to VC-backed startups, where he found he wanted to build his own. Awari came to be when Fabio realized that there were many career opportunities in tech and not enough qualified professionals. Wari's goal is to help Brazilian talent learn technical skills through a wide curriculum of courses, a strong community of like-minded individuals, and a mentorship program supported by thought leaders from some of the strongest companies in the world. Fabio, great to have you on the Latitude podcast. Welcome to Altitude.
2: I appreciate the invite, Brian. It's really good to be here. It's going to be really good to share a few notes on, on the work that we're doing.
1: Fabio, so please walk us through what AWAR is and where did the idea initially come from?
2: So AWAR is pretty much a career development platform for white-collar tech workers in LATAM. If you sign up for a subscription, that gives you access to the platform and you can then sign up for live cohorts to learn in-demand skills. If you're a designer, you can sign up for a cohort and learn about user research, 3D design, UI design, more. You can book career coaching sessions you can book mentorships, mentorship sessions. Let's say you're learning about research. You can book a one-on-one session. You'll learn from someone who's a research manager, a new bank, someone who's leading a large team of researchers, a loft, for example. Pretty soon, you're going to be able to book uh, English classes as well. So it's sort of a sidekick for your career. Everything you need to sort of continue uh, continuously progress um, in your job. In, in terms of how we got started, it's actually there wasn't a single spark or like the magic idea came out of nowhere. It was actually a process, a highly iterative process where, um, it kind of started off in late 2017. I get this job offer to build a design team in Brazil. Up until that point, most of my work had been with uh, us based companies. So I got a job offer, um, I know I'm evaluating the job offer. And I think that's the first time I sort of realized that building a large design team in just a few months would actually be pretty challenging locally. Um, So AWAR is pretty much a career development platform for white collar tech workers in LATAM. Um, Essentially, you sign up for this annual subscription, gives you access to the platform and you can then book you can sign up for live cohorts so if you're a designer you can sign up for this user research cohort if you work in data science you can sign up for this data engineering cohort if you can book career coaching sessions you can book one-on-one mentorship sessions well let's say you you're learning about research you can book a one-on-one session with someone who's a research manager at a unicorn um and pretty soon you'll be able to book english classes as well so it's kind of a sidekick your career in a way Um, there wasn't this one magic spark Um, i think we arrived at the current version of what we're doing through a you know highly iterative process where we got started when in late 2017 i got a job offer to build a design team at a pretty large corporate uh, um, pretty large enterprise in brazil i'm evaluating the job offer part of that process, just thinking through what my job's gonna be, it's definitely gonna involve recruiting a lot of people pretty quickly. And so I kind of realized for the first time, because up until that point, most of my work had been with US-based uh, companies. So I kind of realized that it was going to be challenging for me to hire the volume of just the number of designers that I was gonna to have to hire in just a few months. I started looking into the you know the situation, and why is this a problem, why there seems to be a talent gap in, in product design, UX design, etc. And I realized that most courses in Portuguese were actually pretty low quality there weren't really great uh, courses teaching people how to become UX designers for example um, I ended up turning down the job offer I didn't want to, I didn't want to move but the opportunity was pretty clear so in le- early 2018 I decided to put together this design course UX design course we record a few videos um, and we start just signing up students. We then realized that, you know, people are way more likely to actually finish the course if it's not just self-paced with a bunch of pre-recorded videos. So we put together uh, cohorts. And so the course is now sort of cohort-based type, type course. Uh, we then, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking to users, really figuring out what the pain points are. We incorporate career coaching and, you know, many years later, it kind of becomes this, uh, the the larger uh, approach towards helping you develop your career where there's career coaching, there's one-on-one mentorship, in addition to the life course.
0: Yeah. We obviously love the cohort based programming, uh, education based, right? Because when we saw this business, we're like, we get it. We have a lot of similar kind of DNA. Um, And, and you're, you specifically, you come from a product design background, which has an obvious impact in building the product itself, right? Because that's your, that's your trade. That's your, your expertise, but what role did it play in the earlier stages like ideation? You know, it sounds like you kind of came, came to this through need, right, Und- and understanding the trends. But, like, how did that, you know, initial
2: ideation process, if you can get into more details of what that was like? I spent uh, a good chunk of time doing product management as well and managing teams and interfacing with engineers. That has been absolutely a blessing. Uh, throughout the whole journey, early on, to answer the question more directly, I spent a lot of time just working with sort of early stage VC-backed companies, like a seed stage company just raised a seed round or smaller-ish Series A type startup. So I spent a lot of time working with founders and you know early product teams to figure out what the B one or the MVP or the really early versions of the products were going to be. So. Later on when you know we well, got started and I had to do that for my own business, I think um I, I had built up a lot of knowledge from having gone through that process multiple times in the past. So it was pretty helpful to know how to talk to users, how to approach, you know, having those conversations. How to think about, you know, allocating resources to, towards building, uh, a, a, an early version of your product, uh, what to optimize for, what not to optimize for. Um, it's, I mean, all in all been, been pretty helpful throughout the journey. I mean, we're, we're talking about early on, but even now, super, you know, later on, the team's almost 50 people-ish. Um, it's just really helpful to, it's just really helpful to really know the ins and outs of how the engineering team is working with the design team. It helps me, you know, do a better job communicating needs or, or, or discussing our needs with the CTO, with the head of design. It's just, it's been, it's been a blessing.
0: I was going to add one, one follow-up question to that. If you were to distill it down into like the most kind of important insight that you had at early stage, just to, you know, to kind of, we're always talking about getting to product market fit. And obviously, you know, YC's classic kind of build things that people want. But if you were to extrapolate like the, the, the most critical aspect and lesson that you learned in that early stage,
2: in that ideation phase, what, what, would, you, what would you say is it is? sort of first time founders, or they haven't done a lot of work with early stage companies, they sometimes miss the the forest for the trees. So one piece of really helpful advice is just remember someone's going to actually be buying and using your product. Um, And that then sort of uh, uh, means you should be talking to the people who are at some point going to use your product or the people who are actually using your product. If it's a consumer facing product, um, even more so than a B2B type type approach, even the visuals matter the brand matters uh the copy matters the whole experience as uh should be well put together and it should be made for someone so you should know who that person is you should know their needs you should know their goals etc i think that's one just very important thing
1: love it fabio yeah that's cool um i'm thinking of those early days right you just mentioned that awali has a strong mentorship program as one of its components right but Who were your early mentors in your professional career and what's the best
2: advice they've ever given to you? um i think many people um that i've worked with Weren't formally mentors, but I've learned a lot with them, just watching sharp founders do their work, uh, sharp executives run meetings, uh, small things that sort of add up. I think a lot of those people, I really see them as mentors. Um, I did have this one person who was formerly my, my, my mentor and he came from a legacy uh, industry. He used to run a pretty massive uh, hotel chain in the Northeast in Brazil and he taught me a lot about just managing people and I think one of our biggest accomplishments internally at Warby's is that we built this really great culture. Like our employee NPS has been above 95. 95- you know, from day one, even now the team being being uh, a lot larger, I know we're we have really good uh, employee satisfaction scores, and the team's highly productive. And that's something I really learned from that person. Um, everything from you know how to build a team, how to manage a team, how to think about you know individual development, the basics. Really, you should praise people in public, and you should give them feedback in in private. Like all those basics, I pretty much learned from from that from that mentor.
0: I think it's a great thing to highlight. Where a lot of founders, they they oftentimes think that like you know someone from a traditional industry won't won't be able to kind of like relate or understand. But there's tried and tested you know leadership techniques and management. So and, and to me, it's kind of the philosophy of you can learn from anyone, right? The waiter at your at the restaurant like has some kind of insider knowledge that can be. It's kind of maintaining that humility because. I think this happened to me at some point where I was like, oh, you can't relate to my startup world. But I probably missed out on incredible advice from people that have just seen a lot and understand people. Because at the end of the day, it's about getting people to work together. And I mean, whether you worked in a nonprofit world or like it's all the same pieces of the puzzle. Of course, there's hard skills. Call them hard skills. I think I don't like hard skills, soft skills, because I think the soft skills are actually really hard. Um, But would you tend to agree with that? And, you know, it sounds like that example of that mentor coming from a traditional industry was like very helpful in your journey.
2: Totally agree with that. I mean, if you're, if you're reading Peter Drucker or, you know, basic uh, management training type authors like that's, that's really going to help your startup journey as well, especially as you're building a team. Um, and sometimes people forget that um, if you look at an industry sort of, um, I'm calling them legacy industries they aren't really legacy, but just, Using that the term, but if you're, you know, if you have a pretty big construction company, for example, there are lots of um, adversities in that industry that we, we don't necessarily have in tech. Um, I think we we have a lot of positives in tech. It's easier for you to uh, find capital. You know, you're know, you starting a construction company. It's going to be harder for you to get a bank loan than if you're starting a, a SaaS company in tech. Um, but all the basics of how to deal with people, how to build teams, like the same principles of how to deal with human beings that apply to construction also apply to tech. So you can just pick, you can sort of you know, choose which building blocks you want to apply, and it's going to be much sort of much easier to to apply them in tech because to just it's a really good time.
0: Now, I remember reading that your goal with Awadi was to reduce unemployment rates in Brazil by bridging the technical skill gap. We know that there is a big gap. Uh, it's clear when we're looking to hire, there's more demand than there is supply.
2: How do you see edtech contributing to social mobility in the country? Um, I think this is a massive, massive one. If you, if you just look at you know, the power of more traditional type credentials, you know, having a bachelor's, having an MBA, having a master's in your uh, curriculum, over the past twenty years, that value has been dropping pretty sharply. Um, you know, having having a, an MBA in your resume in the early two thousands would deliver a lot of value. Would make it would make it easier for you to find a job, for you to get promoted, etc. Now, that's not the case anymore in tech. If you're a a product manager, going back to school, signing up for an MBA doesn't necessarily line you up for a better job as a product manager. The people who are aware of this are people who are already doing the job. They're already working as product managers. They're not in high school anymore. People in high school, people who are still looking for employment or people who are unemployed outside of tech, they're usually not aware that uh, those credentials have dropped in value. So there is a uh, this or the current educational system really relies on uh, people who will sign up and become customers, not being aware that, the, you know, as the line becomes shorter and shorter in this world chain, that, that was sort of where I was going.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, the reality is that like th- there's been this massive shift in education, right? And if you look at the cost of education, um, you know, cost to serve is really high because you have this huge, huge like stack of like tenure professors and and the one thing I think about one of the reasons why I'm so excited about what you're building is that the practical advice of people executing the jobs there's there's no one more current on the opportunity right like if you're a, if you if you help scale the the early product management team at New Bank. Like you are more on the cutting edge, for lack of a better word, than anyone that's at a top university globally because you're living and breathing in the flesh. Right. So I think that that's something that, um, you know, is is, uh, there's new needs to be able to get the train, the right next generation of workers.
2: Absolutely. Something that we hear very often from our customers is, well, I spent two years getting this master, or I spent four years getting this bachelor's. And now I realize I don't actually have the skills to land a job that I want to land. Uh, now I just realized that this is not going to actually land me a job. Uh, and then, you know, they'll stay with us for, for, you know, a few months, few years, and we'll help them actually land a better job. Uh, the magic here is when we can actually you know, go one step further and work with those customers before they actually spend two years on a master's and realize that they shouldn't have done that or before they spend four years on a bachelor's. And as the awareness grows and we're able to reach more and more customers, um, it's just it's going to be easier for us to qualify people with the skills the market is actually looking for. The, the arbitrary two and
0: four year thing reminds me of a quote from Jerry Seinfeld. He says, it's amazing the amount of news that happens in the world every day always just fits the newspaper, right?
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) 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 To me, it's kind of an arbitrary uh, length of period, right? Like, why four years? Like, why not five years? Why not three years? Why not two years? Which is why I'm a huge fan of the cohort-based programming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And people are starting to realize this. I think that's the, the really interesting consumer shift here, or the massive shift in the status quo of how people think about buying education. We're seeing, I mean, it, it's pretty clear in tech. I mean, if you're a product manager, if you're a data, data scientist, you're going to sign up for shorter courses, you deliver value right away, you become a better, sharper product manager or data scientist. And it's just, it's pretty natural that over the next five to 10 years, we'll see people in other fields, uh, realizing the same thing and maybe I don't have to go back to school spend three years to learn something and can learn that specific skill set three months and become a better better professional
1: That's great Fabio uh, I did my MBA abroad and I couldn't agree more with you and there's another component that I mean if, we, if you look at ge- our generation we'll probably live for a hundred years or more and we'll work for 80 years and then there's a gap of continuously reskilling and up- upskilling ourselves beyond the, the, the undergrad right and And I think this type of of companies like Hawaii are are filling an amazing gap there, right? Um, But let's get into the final two questions. Uh, Where where do you want your business to be in five years from now? And maybe take advantage of this time to tell us a little bit about where the business is right now.
2: Um, We often use an analogy, which is... Right now, if you wanna watch a movie, you have this really clear mental model which is we'll just kinda of open up Netflix. I'm gonna watch a movie or Amazon Prime or whatever. Uh when you think of Blockbuster, you know you're Driving your car or renting a DVD that it comes to you in a pretty nostalgic fashion. So you think of blockbuster in a nostalgic way. Um, I mean, the, the work that we do is really so that people five years from now, when they think of, I want to get a better job. I want to come, I want to become better at my job. I want to be more prepared for my career or for upcoming career opportunities. They think about, okay, let me check out my award subscription. Let me, I should make sure I have an award subscription. So we, we're really working to build this new mental model of how people develop themselves Um, and we definitely want people to think of going back to school and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on on a master's the same way they think of Blockbuster right now so ideally five years from now we're much closer to to that vision I agree
0: with it and uh, knowledge is not confined to this like specific campus right (laughs) Um, so if we can close out here what's one word that exemplifies entrepreneurship
2: for you I'm pretty sure it's not one word, but it would be hard work. <laughs> so that's that's two words. What uh, one, one word would be just work? I think because uh, you're you're having to do work uh, towards the delivering value to your customers. You have to do work towards making sure your team is 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 is, is strong, but also engaged. You just work all around. So <laughs> there's that.
0: It helps that you seem to really like what you're doing, right? And you're passionate about education. So I think that that's. If I were to add to the work, it's, you know, it's, it's being passionate about the work and that results in the great outcome because you're, you care about what you're building.
2: I, I try to avoid the motivational stuff as much as I can, but I read this tweet the other day, which is pretty funny. It went something along the lines of, No, you know, if you start a company because you want to start a company, then you're probably going to fail because the day-to-day stuff is just really hard. But if you start a company because you're just drawn into it because of a problem you want to solve, or because there's a need for something that's not out there that you really want to see out there, and that's great motivation. You're probably going to go through the day-to-day uh, hustle.
0: Yeah. It, it gives you the, the energy to fight through all the roadblocks that you're inevitably going to face, right? It's uh, it's a hard part of the journey. Well, listen, we're really bullish on where you're headed. We see the need directly as we're trying to scale a team and hopefully we can get some Awadi you know, alumni at Latitude as we scale our operations across Brazil and, and, and other places. So uh, congrats on what you've built so far and it's exciting to, to see this. Oh, I I
2: appreciate this, and that's actually a really interesting KPI for us to track: how many Aurora alumni actually go on to become that founders. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good pipeline. That's a pretty good pipeline. Hundred percent. We'll be tracking that as well. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, Bobby, for making the time. Awesome. Thanks, Brian and Kevin, for the invite.